Welcome to episode six of the Screen Presence podcast. This is the final episode for this season and the second part of our two-part series looking at the subject of mental health. Matt Longley is our guest today, who joined us to talk about his work with Six Feet from the Spotlight. Our guest in the previous episode, Jude Spencer, recommended that we speak with Matt, and I'm so glad we did. The work Matt and his colleagues are undertaking is both fascinating and vital. It's driven by necessity and passion and is already making a significant difference. The links in the show notes will attest to this, as will this interview with Matt. My co-host for this episode is Paul Whitaker, co-founder of the excellent 4 in 4, a Cardiff-based organisation which works to create participatory, interactive, collaborative projects that blur the boundaries of art forms and challenge perceptions about mental health. I was introduced to Paul by Alan Whitfield from Disability Arts Cymru, an organisation with whom my charity, TAPE, has a long-standing partnership. As you'll hear, Paul shares some very personal perspectives and I'm very grateful to him for coming on the show. My thanks too to Matt for being our guest on this episode, episode six of the Screen Presence podcast. Welcome to the Screen Presence podcast. My co-host for this episode is Paul Whitaker. Paul, can you tell us a bit about yourself and what brings you to the podcast today? Um, hi, my name's Paul Whitaker. Uh, I'm a filmmaker, writer and artist who has bipolar uh, depression. Um, sorry, I paused then because I've had it long enough that they've changed their name on me several times. Um, the condition and the effect hasn't changed, but the name has changed uh, quite a lot. Um, and I run a mental health arts uh, business um, with my creative partner, Tamsin Griffiths, who also has a uh, mental health diagnosis. And um, yeah, what we kind of focus on doing is we, we have two um, people with mental health who work professionally in the arts, and we found that we had difficulty engaging in, in some of the other you know, sectors um, that, that didn't damage our health. So we met and we started making work together in, in the last few years. Um, that's We've really become quite prominent within Wales um, about, you know, as leading examples of, of working with mental health, you know, um, for ourselves and with others. Um, and so that's kind of what brings me to this podcast, really, is that, you know, I have lived experience of mental health and lived experience of how the industry has affected me. Thank you, Paul. It's it's really good to have you as the as co-host for this for this episode and joining us uh, as our guest for part two of our episodes looking at mental health is Matt Longley from Six Feet from the Spotlight. Hi, Matt. Hi, Steve. Hi, Paul. Thank, thanks for being here, Matt. And can we start with you just sharing a bit about what brought you into working in the field of mental health? Yeah. So um, about ten years ago, I uh, started work. Um, I was working in equipment hire business, bizarrely, um, and we did trackway panels, which are, which are big three meter by three meter aluminium panels. They go out onto film sets, um, and I got the plum job of working on the last Harry Potter films, two Harry Potter films. So um, I got dispatched down to Leeds and to sort out a few problems they were having there, um, and got really friendly with all the crew down there, the locations team and the unit teams. Um, and sort of kept in touch with them over over a period of time, did a bit of consultancy work for them, um, and ended up going to a few of their film industry parties down in uh, down in London um, every so often. Um, and one of the guys that I knew quite well, a uh, location manager called Michael Harm, unfortunately, about three years ago, uh, took his own life. Um, he'd obviously had depression, um, which nobody really knew about. Um, so 
and about the same time a friend of mine uh, also took his own life so um I kind of decided we'd try with a, with a few people from the industry try and do something to try and change the way that the industry worked because Michael had written a letter um, about his experiences in the industry and how it had driven him to depression and he felt lonely and there was no support. Um, so we decided we'd try and do something about it. Um, so I kind of started that voluntarily, set up Six Feet from the Spot about three years ago with a, a band called, uh, well, the crew of a band called Nothing But Thieves who've just released a third album consequently um coincidentally um and the crew there w- were struggling on a tour in in america um the singer was having trouble sleeping uh connor and it's, oh, that's all well documented um and so we we kind of set that up my brother-in-law is a psychiatric nurse he runs mental health services over in manchester um and my sister's a psychologist so i got it got that kind of thing in the family and i'd got the kind of business type of um things to do that so i retrained um to teach uh, what's called act um positive promoting positive mental health and well-being um course which is uh, accredited by the royal college of psychiatrists and also set up six feet from the spotlight to try and f- pull a network together of people who could help the crew in the industries uh, in the creative industries so um film tv theater and and music um, and that's been going about three years now. Um, so yeah, so that's that's how I got into it. It's quite a, quite a long story, but it's yeah, um, quite an in, quite a different one. Um, I'm a chemical engineer by profession, so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a long way, but it's it's kind of a creative industries have always been a passion of mine. So uh, yeah, and I'm now doing it full time. So in the process of setting up six feet from the, the spotlight, did you come across other examples that sort of galvanised your thinking that this is the right thing to be doing? Yes, yeah. Well, I um, very quickly got put in contact with um, a lady called Leo Anna Thomas, who's a standby art director. Um, and she's been diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder. Um, and she worked as a standby art director um, on some fairly significant films. So she, Bohemian Rhapsody, um, the last series of His Dark Materials, um, which was filmed down in Cardiff. Um, and she'd been campaigning for eight years to um, set up a, a new role in the industry called a wellbeing facilitator. Um, so we teamed up with her um, and she'd lost two friends as well um, in the industry from, from the art department. She was obviously a standby art directors in the art department. So she'd lost two very good friends um, from, from that department in recent times. And as we talked, we found that we both had similar experience, similar experiences and, um, we got involved then with a film and TV charity who last year did a uh, big survey in the film and TV industry on mental health and um, what how many people in, in the industry had suffered from mental health issues um, and the, the results were, were staggering. So uh, about 87%, um, I think, of people who worked in the industry have suffered from some form of mental health issue. Um, and more worryingly, uh, 55 percent had thought about taking their own lives at some point and the normal national well the national average is about 20 about 20 percent. so it showed you there was a significant issue so that came out uh, well we we started work with them in july last year and the results that were published in january this year um and then they've set about putting a, a a plan together called the whole picture program which we've been working with um to try and improve so there's they've got several different um 
strands to that. Um, but you just everywhere we go now, when we put things out on Twitter or Instagram, talk to people, um, the the stories and the human stories that come from people being driven virtually to uh, to depression or anxiety through working in the industry, or if they if they're working in the industry and they've already had an issue getting no support and just hiding it because they're worried that they won't get another job. That kind of thing is, has been outstanding, astounding really to me. Um, so yeah, I think we've, we've found we're on the right track um, and that, that we are needed. Um, and hopefully we can, we can push forward with what we're doing and try and try and put these wellbeing facilitators in so that they make sure that, because the, the big issue for me is that the, the production companies don't, meet their legal duty of care anyway um so they don't provide any support they don't um they don't help people so there's no support there for people at all um the well-being facilitator is there to make sure and help them do that i'm sure they want to they probably don't know um it's a it's a case of money so i suppose um show them that commercially they should it's best for them to treat the people well and, and improve their well-being but also then help the cast and crew because usually those environments are, are very um, fraught, um, pressured um, because things do go wrong. Things aren't always going to go right, um, and and help the cast and crew when the, when the, those issues arrive. And especially now, if you take the context of where we are with um, all the problems with COVID and also um, the the extra things for Black Lives Matter and that that kind of thing, then you you get a, a bigger picture as well uh, that make it even worse for people. So Matt, I think you you've painted a really good picture of where the industry you know is in with this issue and i think if anyone is surprised by this i'd be surprised by that you know it's it's if anyone's who's worked in the industry because it's not you know it's it's not a glamorous uh, industry you know in what we do it's it's you know it's very uh, physically and mentally demanding you know on its best days um, and actually that's often the attraction to it as well so you know it's it's not all bad, but um, with the work that you're doing, what I'd be interested to know is when you started reaching out to companies and to the industry, is what kind of engagement did you get? You know, initially. Initially, it was hard, really hard, um, because people didn't really know who we are, who we were. Um, they didn't know who I was because I was a supplier to the industry rather than somebody who'd actually worked in it um, directly. Um, although uh, my background is kind of engineering so i i kind of got stuck in and and helped out on things that perhaps i wasn't wasn't supposed to be doing so most of the crews did know me but the industry then is so fragmented that it's impossible to actually get any kind of support and i think that's the problem the film and tv industry are having is you've got to pull together people like the bfi bafta pact who the um independent film film companies uh then there's the big big producers, your Netflix, your Amazons, um, who again, actually, uh, you know, Netflix and uh, well, Amazon in particular commission other companies to produce things for them rather than doing it themselves. Um, so trying to get that was, is difficult. So there, there wasn't a lot of um, response from the companies. Individual crew were very responsive. So we did some training sessions at Pinewood Studios, probably going back about two and a half years um, to train um, some of the big productions have unit medics on, as you'll know. So train the unit medics as they understood a bit more about mental health. And we did that two or three times at Pinewood. Pinewood were great. They gave us a room for free, fed us and watered us, um, that kind of thing. But um, it took a while and it wasn't really until COVID start, 
COVID took over and, and everything got locked down and the industry basically shut down that we were able to then get to the some of the bigger bigger players um because they had they had time and wanted uh, and were able to listen um and people like Beck too you know the union um and some of the others got behind the same thing and the film and tv charity have done some great work um pushing this out into other into the into the bigger company so um covid's taken a load of the money because obviously then people had no money to work so um that kind of but we we're still in the background so now back to working with us uh, bfi have started to um to look into it and have, have, have kind of started saying we'll trial it on a on a production that was supposed to go to supposed to shoot in march last year but it's now march this year or sorry march 2021 so um we'll get we'll get there in the end so yeah it was it there, there wasn't a lot in the first instance people just kind of pay lip service to it the bbc i gave a talk to the health and safety executive have a have a meet have a committee called the uh, joint advisory committee for entertainment and i gave a talk to them back in november last year and the bbc were there um and they have lots of things for their employees so they have well-being they have mental health first aiders they have well-being programs um lots of support as soon as you go to freelance workers there's nothing um, and Tony Lennon from Beck to kind of called them out on that one during the meeting. Um, so there's no, and there's nothing, there is nothing for freelancers. Um, the film and TV charity have also got their helpline now, uh, that people can call for all sorts of issues, but, uh, include, you know, financial, legal, uh, mental health, uh, contractual that's kind of things, uh, and Beck to are in the background, but there was nothing for freelancers. So now there's a, I think there's now a big push to, to get free stuff there for freelancers and support. Um, which is which is long overdue people have been kind of used and abused i think for for too many years and things have got to change yeah i was gonna say well you've anticipated you know where i was going to go next is because you know, my my experience of working in these industries is as a freelancer and you know as a freelancer that brings a lot of issues anyway you know you're constantly you know, uh, financial uncertainty you know you're doing one job you know and you're thinking about the next one you know so there's issues there anyway being a freelancer but Within this area, I mean, I'm presuming there's a lack of agency, you know, from my perspective. Like, if you are suffering for your mental health and you're an employee, you know, contract employee on a production, uh, regardless of how high up, you know, from, you know, there is a hierarchy within a, you know, a set, you know, and a, and a production. Yeah. Um, you know, if you said this situation or this individual is causing me mental distress, what really recourse have they got, you know? At the moment, none. Um, unless they're the person who's who's their line manager in effect or somebody senior uh, will take that on and that's been the issue that that is the main issue is that there is nowhere no no recourse no um, you know companies have normal companies have grievance policies and um, HR that they can people can go through um, there is nowhere for, for freelance companies freelance contractors to go to um and that's what we're trying to get to so if you if you look at what the uh, film and tv charity in back to just set up starting to set up with with racism they're setting up a body which will hold people to account and the same thing needs to happen with mental health um so that's where we kind of went with a well-being facilitator so the stunt coordinator on a production uh will be able to turn around to the director or the producers and say no my man is not doing that um and the well-being facilitator we're hoping will a have already set things up to prevent that kind of thing happening but is also there to act as a third party to be able to say to to say there's an issue here um what what are we going to do about it and actually report things back 
um, we did a trial on a small production um, over the summer, and that was the issue we had was that it was the senior people who were who were causing a lot of the issues rather than the junior ones. Um, and then where do you go? Um, because in law, the producers are the directors of that company um, and therefore have the accountability. So they're the last person you can go to. Um, and unfortunately, the health and safety executive and there is no other body, uh, nobody will enforce anything. So you're kind of stuck. So that's where one of the strands with the film and TV charity is to get accountability recognised and make and hold people to account um, for their actions and make sure that they meet their legal duty care to uh, the health and safety of people, which includes mental health full stop and it includes mental health of freelancers and visitors and volunteers and anybody else who's actually on your production you have a duty of care to them full stop um under the health and safety at work act and you have to risk assess it as well so um a lot of them are in well most of the productions are in breach of the law the problem is nobody's taken to account for any injury that's that's uh, that's caused and and people with you know people with existing issues, you have to risk assess them as well, and and, and provide support for them. So, um, whatever that might be. Yeah, that 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 kind of sums up my position is that you know I come with a pre-existing condition, um, you know, and I'm aware of it, and I'm responsible for that, you know, um, and so so I can say that my experiences with the industry have. Mm, they've definitely exacerbated existing conditions, you know, and to be honest at the beginning, that was, I have to take some responsibility of that. I didn't clearly lay out, you know, what I needed, what considerations I needed. Um, because, you know, when you're applying for a job to give them a list of why you are mentally deficient in this role, you know, just seems, you know, uh, not a great thing to do in an interview. <laughs> um, I, I once had, uh, I, I once actually, did a contract through a disability scheme so you know we could be open and, and frank about you know our, our limitations and 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 the support we needed um and they and i got onto the scheme and it was physical and mental illness and i was the only one that was there with a the mental illness and i got on the everyone was great and they did confide in me later that they saw me as their biggest gamble you know over the physical because they felt they could define the physical disability in a clearer way and you know it's uh mental health can be surprising and amorphous and uh it's it's they're not quite sure how to fit it in um i and the way i what i took from that was actually i wasn't offended i could see their side and you know but also would they have told me that if i hadn't gone to the scheme and then done a good job you know they they probably wouldn't i'd have just not got the role and not known what their concerns were and I think that's something is opening that conversation where we feel empowered to talk to people and say, you know, it's not just about the disability. These are all my abilities, but with it come these, you know, access needs. Um, and it's very hard for us to start that conversation because the power structure is, is in their favour. That's right. So, yeah. And the the thing we've done, the wellbeing facilitator, there's um, in the IAC course that, that I run, we teach people how to use what's called a personal wellbeing promotion plan. So you would on there, you would between you, the wellbeing facilitator and the crew member disclose any any issues you have. And that's between you and the wellbeing facilitator. Now, normally in a in normal workplace, that's done um, between should be done between you and the line manager. But obviously, in the film set, that's very difficult to do. So we do it between between the wellbeing facilitator, and that's confidential between the two of you. 
um, so that they know what support you might need. And if there's an issue, then they should be working with a, the health and safety advisors and the producers to make sure that, that there's a policy beforehand, which recognizes that that is what will happen. And then they, prov they can provide the support for you. Um, so that's the, that's the idea. Um, and it's, it has worked. I think the last production we did, uh, there were 60 crew and 17 people actually filled in the form which um, Leo thought was was not many. Um, and I was I was amazed that that many filled it in. <laughs> so um, it's it, and it's it, it's really interesting to see what people will put down there, because if, if you do know how to support somebody through um, in your in your case, bipolar, then you know what to trigger triggers to, to look out for what might trigger you. Um, you can build up the context of what's being shot, what's uh, the content of what's being shot that might trigger somebody as well. Um, and also you put down there what to do if, if you go into one of your depressive phases or should you go into one of your manic phases, you've got given somebody an idea of what, what should somebody should do um, and who to contact perhaps as well. Um, is it, it do, do do you respond to somebody talking to you um sitting down or do you just need to go for a uh, for a wander that i know it's I'm, I'm making it sound a lot more simple than it actually is but um it's that kind of thing that you could do uh, and so we've that's what we're kind of pushing because in physical things i you know every time i go on holiday i've got arthritis in my hip from playing cricket i get asked if i'm going on holiday and i'm filling in insurance I've got arthritic hip. So then they go, okay, that's fine. Off you go. Um, but people will probably know what to do. I'm not going to fall down and um, it's not that bad uh, yet. Um, but the people from a physical point of view, people would know what to do. So have you got a pacemaker? Have you got this, et cetera? Um, and, and they know. So yeah, we need to get that parity, I think as well, between mental health and physical health because they film a TV. They have every yeah, health and safety advisors, uh, looking at falls from height and stunts and fire and this sort of stuff and nothing for mental health given what you're saying matt the it, it seems to me like there's a need for that process to begin as early as possible um so from the first conversations when a production is being discussed about being put together that you're having those conversations you're part of those conversations so you're not just coming in and trying to get people to fill a form in on set that that process starts a lot earlier and actually involves cast and everybody everybody that's involved is is that something that you're working towards yes yes so we're working on a production at the minute with NBC Universal um which is for Amazon and we've started early so the actual prep starts next uh, sorry in the 9th um shoots on the 23rd but we've already been working with them to say right okay we're going to build a policy so first off we start with the mental health policy and fit that in around what other policies they've got as well for things like bullying and harassment, because the two are the two are intrinsically linked. Um, so you do that. They understand what we're going to be doing. They're employing um, Leo as a wellbeing facilitator on set. Um, so she's going to go on the recce's um, and see what locations we're using and what's available, so she can work out where she could set up as a as a little room, so that there's somewhere for people to go and and break away from what's happening. Um, so starting as early as possible, plus you're already having a discussion with them about budget. So what is this going to cost you? Um, this particular shoot moves on to uh, a few weeks in the UK and then moves to the Czech Republic. So what what provisions can we provide in the Czech Republic? There's very little mental health support uh, in their 
health system at all. So somebody's going to have to provide that. So we've we've been, we, we've been talking to a clinical psychologist who's available who can who can help. Um, and also, then we've we've still got the support of psychiatric nurses and, and, and other people who are therapists in in the UK that can talk to the crew who are out there. And, and Leo will be out there. So yeah, starting as early as possible, putting a plan together and a policy together, so that over then when you go into the shoot, nothing's a surprise. We'll be part of the crew, um, and, and the crew and cast will know who we are um, and know that what we're doing and why we're there. Um, and we'll be able to contact us. So we, and you set up networks as well. So there'll be a WhatsApp group for the crew um, to contact us. Little things just get sent out every couple of days, something like that, checking that people are all right. Um, the last production we worked on, obviously, it was during the summer, so it was really hot. So it was make sure you drink, make sure you do this, that sort of thing. Um, and this one will be will be slightly different because it's um, it, the the thing we've added into a lot of things is is context. So what's the context of what you're doing? Um, if you if you're away in the Czech Republic for twelve weeks, people are away from home, so you're adding in that context of of, of loneliness. Um, whether people have got people around them anyway, they might be missing the family um, and that kind of stuff. Um, if you're filming in a um, a remote location again, then they, there's no way to wind down in the uh, on your day off. Um, you're just stuck in the middle of nowhere, um, which you know even I've been on, involved in that when I've uh, been up in Scotland on uh, in February, and you you can't go anywhere other than the kind of digs you're in. So trying to set all that up and get it done as early as possible. Plus, we're looking we're going to look through the script to see if there's anything that might trigger people um, because this particular production does occasionally have uh, violent or torture scenes or um uh even things that are related to people's mental health so could that possibly trigger people so we're going to go through that as well so yeah as early as you can start the better um and then everybody knows where you are um and the money's there as well so it's and it's not a great deal of money either so in terms of you as in around your organization are putting a lot of work and you know and it's and it's like pushing a rock up hill um i'm sure there's times that you spare and uh um but you know in terms of with the engagement and it's it's great what you're saying these good examples these positive examples but what do you think it really what will shift what will help accelerate this process do we need more people in certain positions to be more vocal you know is what do you think would help you you know move this forward yeah i think i think some of the leaders and big big players in the industry um i've got to really make a stand now the the film and tv charity have, have created what they're calling the the industry task force um, which includes some of the big players um so once that gets moving i think you're going to have uh, a bit more of a drive um from the top really to say okay this is what we're going to do um so in there you've got uh, people like barbara broccoli um the guy who's the head of Pinewood Studios. You've got the people from the BBC, Channel 4. Um, so the people who are commissioning need to be saying, when we when we commission with a production company, we want them to do this. So this is where, you know, the BFI have been great. They've said, right, we're going to trial and we'll give, we'll, you know, you will get funding as long as you, you put a wellbeing facilitator on. And it's going to take that kind of thing to actually move this forward and it effectively say to people you must do this otherwise you don't get funded um and that's the only real way of that's the only real way of dragging it th- of, of dragging it up that far um so there's campaign 
to do that. The film and TV charity are trying to do that, and they've been given three million quid by the uh, by various companies in order to do um, to do this project, whole picture program. Um, so hopefully that will will get that moving. Um, COVID's kind of a it's taken a, a it's put a hole in that program a little bit because it's pushed it back uh, but also i think it's made people think and reset and go right okay yes we need to do this and we've got and we've been able to get to some of the the main players to actually be able to say look we think this is what you you kind of need to do um as one thing and the, and there's another a few other things that you need to do as well but this is this is what we can do to help um please let us go ahead and do it and people are so back to a, a looking at it um the film and tv charity gave us a grant to train um several black asian and minority ethnic uh people as well-being facilitators which we start next week um and then back to of coming forward hopefully to to put some more people on that as well so eventually we'll I think there'll be a movement to do that. And I, I think it just takes people to say, right, okay, no, I, what, a couple of line producers we know have actually said, I'm going on the job, but I'm having a, you bring in a wellbeing facilitator on or I'm not working on it, which is, so there's a, there's also a push from the bottom. So you get the push from the top and the push from the bottom. If, Pete, if crew if crew and cast want it, and the, the feeling we've got when we put, um, when Leo's been working and certainly the feedback we've had has been fantastic from both cast and crew. Um, it's so encouraging it is yeah. really encouraging and and that, the, the whole point of the podcast is for people to have stuff to take away and apply to their own work yeah. and if this isn't that then you know <laughs> i think that's just, i think that's just brilliant i did want to just say it, it might be worth mentioning who leo is because you've mentioned leo a couple yeah, of so times. yeah so leo anna thomas is um she's she pushed started eight years ago working um to try and get a well-being facilitator she cre- kind of created the role and thought of it um she's a standby art director um she's a member of six feet from the spotlight um and so she's been working with us and she's been trialing the role um it's always interesting because she kind of knows this stuff intuitively um so i've been trying to ex- extract what she does and how she how she got to that point in order to turn it into a training package that we can use to train other people um and that's been really so that's been a really interesting thing over the over this uh, lockdown period and the uh, and subsequently through the summer um and we've got now it's a, a syllabus um of about four modules um that people get trained in um so they do mental health first aid they do the iac course that i run they do a load about mental health policy mental health law commercial considerations how do you actually go and talk to a producer and say look if you spend this money you should be able to save this and we give them some examples so you know the harry potter thing um it was all going they, they wanted trackway everywhere and people they moved it around all the time and it just cost them money um so my role was to go down and sort that out and and stop them spending quite so much money even though it's my job to get them to spend more but you know that you building a relationship but also other other anecdotal stories of turning i turned up at studios one day and there were 17 telehandlers um you know why do you need 17 how many drivers have you got uh, four <laughs> so why have you got seven just people not talking to each other and siloing themselves so there's all sorts of things like that as well to build it up and then there's a load about positive psychology so and coaching so quite often people won't understand there's no training in the uh, people get promoted in the industry um simply because of time served effectively or they've done this and that and the other um there's no training then on how to manage people um so we're trying to put some coaching skills into it as well so that people can can try and help their crew 
to to perform better, uh, but also understand that you know coaching people rather than effectively decreeing what they're going to do is something that uh, and having to bully people because you can't get them to do what you want them to do uh, other any other way is 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 not right and will and, and it gives them the tools to do that. So um, there's that side of that side of things that we're working on as well. Um, and then there's longer term programs. So we would try and do some management training and resilience because in my background as an engineer, I've had um, really good training over years about management style or how you analyze things and don't create a blame culture, um, that kind of thing, which drives people's, you know, and it, that's what ends up making people bully and harass in the end is, you know, people haven't done what I wanted them to do. Uh, why has he done that when he should have done this? Well, you haven't, actually said why he should have done it or he didn't actually understand what he was supposed to be doing in the first place so trying to get that across as well so that's the whole the whole program yeah um i think you've done a really good job of like defining the industry that we want but you know there's also the reality of the industry that we currently have and um i know that you i doubt you'll have the authority to answer this but in the hypothetical, just say that of a of a production, it's the director's unreasonable behaviour, you know, is affecting the whole crew, you know, not just individuals. Really, in that scenario now, as it stands, you know, could you get that director removed in reality, you know? Um, it's difficult to get them removed. I think you'd probably rather go to a point where you educate them, Um it's, that's not easy because quite often the you know some of the directors that I've met have um, uh, been interesting um, because obviously they have this creative vision and and you'd probably put them almost some of them on the autistic spectrum um, so you're going to struggle to necessarily change the behaviour but uh, I've just to so to answer the question I don't think you could um, you possibly could because obviously there's been a lot of stuff with. Um, time's up and that kind of thing so where it's been sexual harassment then people have been removed uh, from the industry quite successfully um but i think there's more of an education piece around that so i have done talks with directors uk um over the last over the over the last few months um and they've been really receptive so some of the directors have come to me and said you know we want to have um somebody who helps with the mental health of our crew on set um, because we want to get on with the creative vision that we have and not worry about uh, that other people aren't being looked after. Um, it, to the point where one of the directors um, whose shoot, shoot is happening in the next few months, couple of months, um, if the production company don't provide him with the money uh, to put one of us on, uh, he's going to pay for him, himself, pay for us himself. So there's that kind of um, drive. So, yeah, so, the yeah, the... But you're right, the directors can quite often cause the issue because of the... But again, it's about people understanding. And what one thing we're trying to put across is that if somebody understands what your creative vision is and what we're trying to do, um, they're more likely to go with you rather than be working against you. If they've got no idea why you're doing something or what you're doing, um, then then they it tends to cause a bit of friction. So um, again, that's about planning and, and doing things uh, and people understanding why they're there and what they're trying to do. Um, and they understand their role and the vision of, of that director. What's next for Six Feet from the Spotlight? What are your kind of the short term plans that you have, and uh, where are you going with it next? Yeah, so next we've got this project with uh, NBC Universal. Um, hopefully, uh, that will go well, and we can use that as a as a springboard to to do more. 
Um, we're working to try and get more wellbeing facilitators available so that other productions can um, come and talk to us and get those people on board. Um, so the long term, there's kind of two ways is we we want we don't want it to be we've just trained people and they disappear off into the ether and we never see them again we want to build a network and that's part of the reason the film and tv charity gave us the grant for the uh for the black asian and minority ethnic community is that we wanted to build a community so that people are learning more um and developing as they go through and there's a network because in all of this is if you what we found is that people all think the same there's always there's somebody around there who's had the same experience as you so when you think you're alone you're not so what we want to do is make sure that people who are working with us or working as well with facilitators have somewhere to go and say look this has happened what do i do and somebody else will have the answer or will have an idea that you might be able to use so i think over a period of time we see there being um as I suppose the, the goal is that we would be something like the british stunt register where we we kind of registered uh, have a register of wellbeing facilitators and productions would come to us and say who have you got and we can go so and so uh will come and work for you so that's the kind of goal um also i think we want to have somewhere where there is accountability so when we do find issues which we will do we've got somewhere that we can go and um take people hold people to account so hold and, and get that industry change at the fundamental level so that we're we're stopping things we're preventing issues happening in the first place rather than reacting to um the issues that are created um so we, we've got that prevention arm and i think that's the that's the key is is actually having people are always going to have mental health issues but you can you can prevent them and, and in my experience of, of working in some big companies um and and managing people is if you can take away some of the work stress uh, some of the other things that they have in their life become a lot easier. Um, it's when that whole thing comes together and they have relationship issues, they have their, a mental health issue, um, they have um, a bereavement, there's something else goes on in their life and they've got work on top and the two are conflicting. That's when it causes real problems. So if you can improve their work life, um, it's quite often they can deal with what's going on in their personal life and, and get better. And they become they become more loyal, they become um, better performing, um and they'll they'll thank you for it in the end and i think you'll have a better industry if we can actually get if, if we have we'll have a better and more creative industry if we can get to that that kind of goal thank you matt paul thank you very much for co-hosting as well it's been a fantastic conversation um thanks for coming on the screen presence podcast pleasure, pleasure. thanks steve the screen presence podcast is brought to you by tape community music and film in partnership with the bfi artwork is by matt canning and the music was written and performed through the tape project, The Sound of Colour Orchestra. Post-production is carried out as part of Tape's Media Club, a project through which people from across communities work together and receive person-centred training on a range of creative activities, which in turn supports the development of new work and ideas. <laughs>